Well, welcome to our Graceway Baptist Church Sunday School lesson. This is the lesson for December the 13th, the uh, second in our Christmas series here. And so uh, we're looking forward to this. If you are a teacher, of course, you're getting the audio of this earlier. And if you're watching this by video, you either wanted to make sure your teacher taught the lesson right, or maybe you were sick or out of town or something like that. And so that's why we do this. And so we are very thankful for um, Isaac and for Gary for making this happen and making this work. Because if it were left up to me, uh, this probably wouldn't be happening. So uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, as we move through December, I want to remind you we are and, and ask you teachers to help remind our classes that we're doing a staff love offering to show our love to those who serve us and help us out so well. And so uh, be sure you push that. Also, December the 20th, that will be this next Sunday, we will be having an evening service and we're going to do uh, a Lord's Supper service, candlelight Lord's Supper. Uh, we do that every year to help us remember that uh, all of the hype about Christmas is uh, kind of misplaced a lot of times. You know, Santa Claus is coming to town. What kind of gift am I going to get? And all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and with that, is, there's a lot of disappointment. Some people put a lot of, of um, stock in Christmas is going to fix my life. I mean, after all, that's the way it kind of works, isn't it? The magic of Christmas and all of that. And boy, what a great disappointment that is to an awful lot of people. Well, we're not here to really promote that. We are here to talk about Jesus. But let's also be fair. For a lot of people, all of the talk about Jesus and the talk about his birth and the uh, the mysterious nature of God becoming man and shepherds and angels and wise men and all of those kind of things that come along. Sometimes we miss the point of all of that. And what was the point of all of that? It wasn't just God invaded human history and walked on earth for a while. That, that would be far more than we deserve, but it wouldn't do anything for us. This is God doing something for sinners who are going to go to hell for an eternity and they can do nothing about it. So God is the one who intervenes and sends his son Jesus to be born on earth and he was born to die. Get that in your minds, that little baby. He was born to die. Sometimes we get a little sad that we think about a little baby being born in a stable and laid in a manger and all of that. Well, understand, I don't mean to be, um, you know, hard or callous or anything. That was the plan. That's, that's what Jesus planned. And that's the way it worked out. But it's not about that. It's not about a baby shivering in the cold. It's about a man living a perfect life and dying on the cross and being punished by God the Father in our place and then being raised from the dead and exalted as Lord of all so that when we acknowledge him as Lord and we trust 100% in his sacrifice as the payment for our sin, the Bible says, according to Romans 10:9, that we will be saved. And so that's what it's about. The uh, having the communion service, the candlelight Lord's Supper on the 20th, 
That's our way of saying, hey, church, wake up. Pay attention. This is not just about a baby in the cold. This is about the God-man dying on the cross for undeserving sinners like us and paying the price for our salvation 100%. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. This is what Jesus did to glorify his Father and bring us into his family. It's a neat thing, so we remember that. So join us for that, and uh, we'll have a wonderful time. And also, uh, I'll remind you that night there is a wedding that's going to take place right after that. A little unusual, but um, Steve Elkins and uh, his fiancée, Nancy, they wanted to do it on uh, the night of the candlelight Lord's Supper and around Christmas time and uh, all of that. So come and enjoy and celebrate. There'll be a, a small reception after the service uh, honoring them. And so uh, you'll, you'll come and be a part of that. Okay, enough said. Let's uh, take a look now going back to where we were last week and picking up where we left off. And we are entitling this, Be a Shepherd. Why would I want to be a shepherd? Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and let's look at verses 15 through 20. Now, let me introduce it. To be a shepherd, back in those days, it was not a romantic, nice, oh, watching the sheep, and oh, it's so beautiful, and, you know, we might see a painting or something like that of a shepherd with his sheep, and, you know, out on a hillside, and oh, it's just so beautiful. Uh, nobody looked at it like that back in the days of Jesus, okay? I don't mean to burst the bubble, but we've got to be realistic about all of this. To be a shepherd meant that you were an outcast. You ever been an outcast? You ever been rejected? You, have you ever not really fit in? Some of you know that experience. I do. Well, shepherds lived that way, and that's what they were made for and that's what they were condemned to all of their life uh, shepherds meant basically an outcast and so um, when you were a shepherd why did a person become a shepherd well you might become a shepherd because your daddy was a shepherd back in these days you tended to be whatever your daddy was whatever your family um, occupation was that's what you found a way to fit into very few uh, if any, broke out of any of that. It, that was just the normal way life worked uh, until the United States of America. Did you know that? Uh, we were the first uh, society on earth where you did not have to fit into your caste or your trade or your family situation. You could break out. There's no entitlement. Back in Europe, you had a title or you didn't have a title. You were either entitled, meaning you were a lord or a lady or a duke or a duchess or a king or a queen or a prince or a princess, right? Entitled. And so our idea where we talk about people, oh, they just feel entitled to that. That comes back from the old world. And that comes back from the idea that those with a title, they got land, they had money, they got privilege, they had all of that. And the rest of the people, they just fit in wherever they could. And you basically did what your daddy did, whether you liked it or not, whether you wanted to or not. And even among the um, unentitled people, there was even still kind of a caste system. I mean, if you're going to be on the lower uh, echelon of things, well, there were some things that were better than others 
And um, shepherds would have been the bottom rung of the ladder. Okay, Shepherds in the day of Jesus, that was about as low as you could get. Oh, yeah, maybe leper would be a little bit lower than that. Or, um, you know, a pig farmer if you were a Jew. Um, you know, that type of thing. There were some things that were worse, but not much. Shepherds at the very bottom. In fact, uh, the rabbis would write things like if you see a shepherd and he's got a kid, and by that it doesn't mean a human kid, a, a goat, a baby goat, or if they have milk or cheese or uh, wool or anything like that, you know one thing's true, they stole it. They stole it. The shepherds are just like that. And they were so uh, low that they were not allowed to testify. Somebody says, I've got an alibi. I didn't kill the, you know, whoever, the butler did it. Uh, can you prove you didn't do it? Do you have an alibi? Yes, I do. I was at such and such a place at that time. Do you have any witnesses? Yes, I've got 10 shepherds that saw me. The judge automatically would say inadmissible. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take that. Shepherds couldn't testify. Now, I know you know all of that. Most of you do. I only say that just in case you don't or hadn't thought of it in a while. Uh, this is the group of people, the class of people that the angels show up to to announce the Messiah's birth in the Gospel of Luke. They don't show up for Pharisees or Sadducees or rabbis or kings or government officials. No, shepherds. Who's going to believe the shepherds? Well, that's going to be a challenge. Going to be a big challenge, uh, in fact. But yet, that is the way the Lord determined to do it. So when you think of it like that, it's amazing that we know anything about this birth. This was a problem. And so, um, the fact that we have the testimony of shepherds and we hold it in our hands, we read it, we quote from it, we quote from it favorably is uh, quite an accomplishment, and uh, I think it shows the supernatural nature of Scripture and its preservation and passing it on to us, and also the gospel message, because God could not have entrusted it to a group of more unworthy people than the shepherds, especially in the eyes of other people. You know, a shepherd is telling me this, I don't believe it. Well, let's read it. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Okay, Remember last week's um, lesson. And here we pick up again. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made it widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things. You know what that means? They listened, they were curious and extremely skeptical. What? How, how could this be happening? And how could these shepherds have said, why would God visit shepherds? That kind of thing. Okay, that's what that means. Doesn't mean they were amazed and in awe of the shepherds. It, it, there was more to it than that. 
Okay? And let's go on reading, which were told them by the shepherds. So Luke wants to emphasize that's what really intrigued them. Shepherds? Mm. Look at verse 19. But in contrast to the people who were marveling at the testimony of the shepherds, Mary did something else. Mary kept, she pondered, the King James Version says, all these things, she kept them and pondered them in her heart. Pondered pondered them, thought over them, meditated on them, played it over and over. You know how um, women have the ability to kind of video events and replay the video? Every man knows what I mean on that. That's what Mary was doing with this, doing what women do. And verse 20, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. You can imagine how impressed they were and how important they felt, especially with their role in society, as it was told them. Okay? Be a shepherd. Why would I want you to be a shepherd? Because I see some things in here in the shepherds that are admirable. I see some things in here that the shepherds did that we are certainly commanded to do. And if we would do them, they would make a tremendous difference in our culture, a difference in our family, a difference in our church, difference in our neighborhoods. And uh, what would that be? Well, number one, I want you to notice that the shepherds submitted to the command of God. They didn't make excuses. They didn't try to get out of it. But they heard it. They believed it, and they obeyed it. Oh, do you know how different your life would be? Do you know how different our church would be if everybody would hear the word, if they would believe the word, and then they would obey the word? They wouldn't just go, oh, we've heard that before. They wouldn't look at it and go, well, that didn't work last time we tried it. They just simply, by faith, would hear what God says out of his word, believe what he says, and then obey it. Because that's what the scripture tells us they did. So it was when they, uh, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem. Why would you go to Bethlehem? Because you believe what the angel said. And let's see this thing that has come to pass. Why do you want to see what has come to pass? Because you believe it has come to pass. And you're going to obey that. And uh, they understood where it came from which the Lord has made known to us. This isn't just something that we thought up. This isn't a hallucination. This isn't anything like that at all. This is something that God himself has made known to us. What if we, every time we gathered, when we opened up the word of God, read the word of God, heard it expounded, and we were like the shepherds to where we looked at that and said, I cannot believe that God has made this known to me. I can't believe that God has made this known to us. Now I've got to do something with it. See, the shepherds were the original doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. The most unlikely, the lowliest people, the people least likely to be believed, but they didn't care. They didn't care at all. They heard and they believed and they obeyed. What a pattern that is for us. Number two, notice that they actually believed the promises 
that God gave them. You know, I'm convinced that a lot of us, we know some promises, and uh, we know some things about some promises. We just don't really believe the promises like we say we do. We don't really stand on the promises like we sing that we do, do we? Vance Havner is a preacher that lived in the early part of the 20th century, maybe up to the mid, um, mid part, something like that. And uh, he had a way with words. Uh, he was quite clever and quite a good preacher. Quite a good preacher. And um, he was the one that said things like this. You've heard this before. Uh, the problem today is that the church is so worldly and the world is so churchy, you can't tell the difference. That's a mouthful, isn't it? He's the one that said that uh, the church today is like Noah's Ark. If it weren't for the storm on the outside, you couldn't stand the stink on the inside. He said that in the 20th century, the church has become the ultimate nonprofit organization. But he didn't spell profit the normal way. He spelled it P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Where are the prophets? A nonprofit organization. Well, he also made a statement that fits in and I want to use to illustrate this. He said that Baptists are the only people that gather to pray for rain and don't bring an umbrella. Isn't that kind of the way we are? We're like the people in the book of Acts that were gathered to pray for Peter's release from prison. And then God does it and Peter's knocking at the door. The servant girl uh, gets all excited and tells everybody, it's Peter, it's Peter. And they go, you're crazy. Peter's in prison. And then they go back to praying for God to release Peter from prison. I mean, isn't that the way we are? And yet, these shepherds, these uneducated outcasts, they were the ones that when they heard the promise of God and the promise of a Messiah, what did they do? Well, it says that they anticipated it. They uh, came with haste. They weren't going to let any grass grow under their feet, were they? And they followed the instructions. They didn't say, well, you know, uh, surely not. Let's go check the hospitals. Let's go check the maternity wards or anything. No, they went and they looked for the, the stable. And they looked for that exact child because they saw the truth and they understood it and they believed it. They came with haste. What if you heard a promise from God and you just, you, you couldn't wait to claim the promise? It's the way the shepherds were. They came with haste. And what did they do? They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, just like the angels had said, just like God had promised them. What if we really believed like the shepherds believed at that first Christmas? Number three, they testified, they testified of the word and made it widely known. Now, um, I know we all ought to do that, but we don't. And we don't do it because, well, you know, we've got all these reasons. I could never talk to that person. Well, they wouldn't really believe me. Well, I'm not a good public speaker. Well, I get all tongue-tied and all of that. Um, yeah, excuse, 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 excuse. And we never get the job done. We talk about the Great Commission, we sing about the Great Commission, and we um, will act like our God is a great God until we get out into the world. 
There's something wrong with that, isn't there? We talk about things that we love. We talk about things that impress us. We talk about things that we are in awe of. And that ought to be our God, shouldn't it? That really, really ought to be. And yet we've got all kinds of excuses. Well, you don't understand. I'm not a preacher and I don't have any kind of status. And I have people from time to time that will say, "Uh, Pastor, would you mind going and making a visit? I've got this person here I'm concerned about. And I told them that, uh, you know, you'd come by and talk to them about their soul. Well, I'm always happy to do that, but... Frankly, it's a little awkward, isn't it? And sometimes I wonder, why didn't you just tell them yourself? And in the times when I've asked people that, they go, oh, well, I knew that they wouldn't believe me, but they would believe you because after all, you're a preacher. You've got education, you've got training, you've got experience, you've got credibility and all of that. Well, um, I've got some thoughts about that. Because I think with a lot of the scandals that have gone on, if you're old enough to remember the PTL club and those kind of things that went on back in the 80s and Jimmy Swagger, those kind of things. Not to mention all of the stuff that has happened in the Roman Catholic Church with priests and others that have been abusing children. Uh, From time to time you hear about you know, the deacon who was having an affair and murdered his wife or something like that. I mean, all kinds of stuff that uh, that, that comes along. The preacher that ran off with his secretary, the, um, you know, um, embezzling money, those kind of things, right? We hear about all of those. I think that in some ways, I'm one of the last people that the average man on the street is going to believe because they look at me and they go, yeah, well, you're supposed to say that. Well, you're coached and trained in in what you say. In fact, when they hear you say it, they go, wow, a real person believes this stuff. A real person thinks that there's something to all of this stuff. Maybe I ought to listen to it. Um, it, it would be like if I were a car salesman and I worked at a Ford dealership and then I come up to you and said, hey, did you know that Ford makes the best product on the road? Well, you would expect me to say that because I'm a Ford salesman. And a lot of people see me as a pastor as kind of a salesman for God, a salesman for Graceway, a salesman for salvation, a salesman for the Bible. And again, I'm glad to be able to do that, and I'm certainly not ashamed to be what God has called me to be. I'm just simply saying, I think sometimes you sell yourself short because you have such power and such credibility among your peers because people don't expect you to sell anything. They don't expect you to peddle anything. They don't expect you to promote anything like this. And when you do, they listen. And maybe that's what it was that God was doing. And, and, and maybe God had something in mind that went like this. If I tell Pharisees and Sadducees about the Messiah and they start telling people about it, the common people are going to go, yeah, 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 we've heard all of that kind of stuff before. And yeah, that's what they're supposed to say. And yeah, that sounds like what Isaiah said Uh, several hundred years before this and they yawn and they go on their way but if shepherds are saying it when did God ever speak to shepherds 
When did shepherds ever see anything like this? And maybe they don't believe it, but they certainly are aware of it and they are hearing it and it is in their minds. And maybe God was using that to get the attention of people and to spread the word. I don't know. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. But maybe there's something to all of that and maybe we sell ourselves short and I probably do the same thing because there are those times when I can speak as well as and sometimes better than someone else because of the position that I hold and there are times when I can't and I've got to understand that. I did a funeral not too long ago and I had everybody's attention and I shared the gospel. I don't know that there are very many other people that could do that. I think it called for a preacher at that particular time. That was, that was time to do that. I think there are times when somebody needs some counseling or, uh, you know, those kind of things that could come up that maybe that's when I need to step in and do it with confidence. But there are other times when maybe what I do and who I am is a liability and God is saying, speak up, be like the shepherds, and tell other people about Jesus. And so they made all of this widely known, the Bible says. That's point number three. They testified of the word widely and made it widely known. They didn't just keep it just to us four and no more. But they were looking around to see who they could tell. Now notice that they centered on the person of Christ. This is about Jesus. It's not about the angels. It's not about them. It's not about any of the other stuff that might go on. It's, it's about Jesus. And the message that they had believed and that they had seen. They heard it and they had believed it. They are putting some oomph behind it. Because they're not just saying there's a rumor that this is happening. They are identifying with it and saying, we have seen and we have heard. And frankly, we believe it. And we don't really care what you think about our testimony or anything else. It's true. And we owe it to you to tell the story. So now when they had seen him, they made uh, widely known the saying which was told them, concerning this child and that's really what you're witnessing is talk about Jesus not in generic broad terms but who he is and what he came to do say a good word for God during this Christmas season and throughout the rest of the year let's make 2021 a year of great evangelism because we individually as members of Graceway Baptist Church are doing what the shepherds did and making Christ widely known. Okay, number four. They encouraged other believers. Now, keep in mind, there wasn't anything that the shepherds were going to hear that Mary didn't already know. Kind of messes up the song, doesn't it? She knew. Gabriel had come to her. Gabriel had talked to her and told her who she was carrying in her womb. Joseph had doubts about it. I'm going to divorce Mary privately. You know, I don't want to embarrass her, but this is a scandal. It's horrible. And an angel comes and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, right? 
And they knew and they heard the prophecy of the angels about naming him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. There's the redemptive aspect, the sacrificial aspect, the gospel aspect of it. And then also the part where uh, they're told he's going to sit on the throne of his father David. There's the king, the royalty, uh, that aspect of everything. Uh, This is amazing stuff. Mary already knew. Mary already knew. But you know what? The shepherds talked about it anyway. And the shepherds affirmed as they shared what the angels had said to them. That was affirming to Mary. Mary is now going, I didn't dream this. I'm not imagining this. I didn't misunderstand what the angel said. It matches up with what the shepherds had to say. And you know, there's a certain amount of coming to Sunday school to where you may not learn anything, but you have truth affirmed in your heart. And you know now for sure that you didn't imagine it. You didn't make it up. You weren't misled. You didn't misunderstand that it's true. And the same thing can happen on Sunday morning when we are sitting here and you're hearing the word of God. You may not learn anything brand new, but you may have truth affirmed. And like Mary, you can keep it and ponder it in your heart. You think Mary wasn't more encouraged when after this baby is born and she's thinking about taking care of this child, raising this child. What does the future hold? What are the Romans going to do? What's life going to be like? What's the economy going to be like? What is the future going to be like? What are we going to do? How are we going to get back home? Where are we going to live? All of that kind of stuff. You think she wasn't thinking like that? Of course she was. Of course she was. And then all of a sudden shepherds show up out of nowhere and Maybe Joseph says, what are you all doing here? And they said, we were keeping watch over our flocks by night. You have to say it Christmassy. And um, then they tell the story. You think that wasn't affirming to Mary and to Joseph as Mary pondered all of this into her heart? She is encouraged. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart we need to do that for one another people have doubts people have fears people have misunderstandings people need affirmation and they need it desperately and then a fifth one says they continually glorified and praised god didn't really matter where they were it wasn't just that they praised god when the angels were around it wasn't just that they praised god when they were at the stable and around mary and joseph and jesus They're continually doing that even as they get back home, even as they go back where the sheep were. And they're doing it regardless of their social status. At this point, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks of them. This is about the credibility of the gospel. This is about the truth of the word of God. This is about proclaiming what they have heard regardless of what anyone else thinks. And it's according to the word given them. They're not having to embellish it. They're not having to dress it up. They're not having to repackage it. They just simply say to people what God had revealed to them, which is what a witness really is. If you were called to um, be a witness because you saw an automobile accident, they're not going to ask you, for things you're not going to have to be the medical examiner if there was a death you're not going to have to be anything that you're not you're just a witness to say what did you see what happened what did you witness 
And that's what we need to do when we're telling other people about Jesus. Not a lot of prepackaged stuff. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. This is according to the word that is given to them. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So in conclusion, let me ask you a question. Has the birth of Jesus affected you as it did the shepherds? And why not? Why not? It's the same story. It's the same reality, isn't it? And so from the first, it has and continues to have impact. How is it changing you? How are you going to be changed during this Christmas season as we emphasize the birth of Christ? And how can we do more than we normally do for God's glory? And can we have greater impact than meeting physical needs? Can we work harder and better to spread the story of Jesus and the story of redemption? You know, uh, the shepherds, God calls them, reveals things to them, and you know their first reaction is not, let's bake cookies for an unfortunate person. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We ought to do those kind of things. Except that's not really what it's all about, is it? Souls need to be saved. Let's tell them the life-changing story of a Savior who came to earth at that first Christmas. Let's be like the shepherds for the glory of God. Thank you for your time. And I pray God blesses you. Merry Christmas to you. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful week in the Lord.